The evidence will show you crystal clearly that the op-ed had nothing to do with damages that he suffered. He's going to try to make it sound like this caused him to lose Pirates of the Caribbean 6, that, which is a movie that hasn't been made, but that Disney wasn't going to cast him in it because of Amber's article. But there's no evidence of that. Amber Heard tries to throw out the $10.35 million damages award against her from her trial with Johnny Depp, even arguing there was a problem with a juror. Will it work? But Heard's legal issues don't stop there because now the FBI is assisting with a perjury investigation into the actress. Sidebar host Anjanette Levy reports. Plus, it was the moment that went absolutely viral over the July 4th weekend. Hot dog eating champ Joey Chestnut is seen on tape choking out a protester in the middle of the Nathan's competition. But could he be in trouble? Trial attorney and long crime network host Bob Bianchi joins the discuss. Welcome to Sidebar, presented by Law and Crime. I'm Jesse Weber. It's been over a month since the jury came back with their verdict in the Johnny Depp Amber Heard trial. Do you find that Mr. Depp has proven all the elements of defamation? Answer, yes. The jury ultimately finding that Heard defamed Depp for three statements that she made in a 2018 Washington Post op-ed piece claiming she was a victim of domestic violence at the hands of the Pirates of the Caribbean star. Well, now her attorneys are asking a Virginia court to throw out the jury's verdict, to throw out the jury's monetary award, calling it excessive. Now, you recall that the jury awarded Depp $10 million in compensatory damages and $5 million in punitive damages, although that amount was reduced by law to $350,000 by Judge Penny Oscarati. So again, it's $10.35 million. Now, they make several arguments in this 43-page post-trial motion. I want to highlight a few of them. First, Heard's team again rehashes an argument that they made in court, namely that Depp didn't suffer financial harm from the Washington Post piece. The evidence will show that he has not suffered one cent of damages from this op-ed. Not one. Now, make no mistake, Johnny Depp's reputation is in tatters. His career is in freefall. But it's because of problems that he created. Problems that he is responsible for. And he's here in court asking you to blame Amber for them. But it's not Amber's fault. In their filing, Heard's team focuses on whether or not he lost the role of Jack Sparrow in the Pirates franchise because of the op-ed. They say, quote, while Mr. Depp asserted he lost Pirate 6 because of the op-ed, there's no evidence upon which the jury can rely to reach such a conclusion. Mr. Depp did not have a contract for Pirate 6. There was media coverage that Mr. Depp would not be in Pirate 6 as of October 25th, 2018, two months before the op-ed. Mr. Depp's agent testified that it was very likely Mr. Depp would not be in Pirate 6 as of the fall 2018. And Mr. Depp testified that he would not have agreed to play a role in Pirate 6 for $300 million and a million alpacas. Now, this is important. Because for damages purposes, showing that connection between the defamation and the harm is critical. Second, Heard argues that Depp is not entitled to the monetary award because he never proved actual malice. When you're trying to prove defamation with public figures like celebrities, there is this heightened actual malice standard. So Depp, 
needed to prove not only that the statement was false, but that either Heard knew it was false or acted with reckless disregard for the truth. Heard's lawyers in the filing say, quote, in this case, proving actual malice required showing that at the time the op-ed was published, Ms. Heard did not believe she was abused or that she entertained serious doubt about whether she was abused. Because actual malice is a subjective standard, whether Ms. Heard believes she was abused must be judged by her definition of abuse. Ms. Heard testified unequivocally that Mr. Depp abused her physically, emotionally, and psychologically. Mr. Depp presented no evidence that Ms. Heard does not believe abuse can be physical, emotional, or psychological. Now, that's a good argument, but let's not forget the verdict. Do you find that Mr. Depp has proven by clear and convincing evidence that Ms. Heard acted with actual malice? Answer, yes. All right, my lads and lassies, I want to tell you about something very special, cool, and unique. No, that's just not a Scottish accent. Wanted it to be. It sounds Irish, sounds Jamaican. That's not great. What is great? Established Titles. Now, Established Titles is a unique company. If you haven't heard about it, they allow you to purchase a parcel of land in Edelston, Scotland. Even one square foot of dedicated land could be yours. You get uh, this certificate. You get a unique plot number. Once you purchase the land, you become a lord or lady under Scottish custom. No joke. It's a great idea for people that you love. It's a great gift. Couples, you can actually buy adjoining pieces of land. But here's the thing that makes established titles truly special. And that is that with every order, they plant a tree. They work with charities across the globe to support global reforestation efforts. It's a fun, novel way to preserve a picturesque woodlands. And I have to tell you right now, established titles is run, actually running a massive sale. Plus, if you use the code LAW10, L-A-W-10, you get an additional 10% off establishedtitles.com slash Law 10 to get your gifts now and help support the channel. Good day. The jury did find Heard acted with actual malice. And in fact, as we've reported on a previous sidebar episode, one of the jurors spoke out to Good Morning America and said they didn't believe Heard that she showed crocodile tears. Quote, it didn't come across as believable. The jurors said it seemed like she was able to flip the switch on her emotion. She would answer one question and she would be crying. And two seconds later, she would turn ice cold. It didn't seem natural. So again, the jury ultimately believed that Depp proved actual malice here. Now, there's one other major argument that is made in the piece, and this one is a bit curious. have to mention it. And that is where Heard alleges that one of the jurors maybe shouldn't have served on the jury at all. Heard's lawyers write, quote, on the juror panel list, and the juror list panel sent to counsel before voir dire, the court noted that the individual who would later be a designated juror 15 had a birth year of 1945. Juror 15, however, was clearly born later than 1945. Publicly available information demonstrates that he appears to have been born in 1970. This discrepancy raises the question whether Juror 15 actually received a summons for jury duty and was properly vetted by the court to serve on the jury. Now, although incorrect information on a jury panel is not itself enough to get a mistrial or even a new trial on appeal. That's usually the way it works. This argument is saying something different. This is saying maybe that juror was not who they said they were, or maybe wasn't properly identified and shouldn't have been on there. Heard's team writes in the filing that this uh, potentially caused Amber Heard uh, a situation where her due process was compromised. Now, there's been no 
response yet from Depp's attorneys, although based on a recent comment by Benjamin Chu, one of Johnny Depp's lawyers, this happened in the hearing on June 24th, where he indicated that Depp would respond to Heard's motions, we will most likely hear something from them soon. Now, I just want to be clear, this is a post-trial motion, not an appeal to a higher court to get a new trial. Heard's, Heard has until July 24th, 2022 to file an appeal and also pay a suspension bond of $10.35 million plus 6% interest annually. This suspension bond prevents collection of the judge pending appeal. So there's still a lot of moving parts and we'll see where it goes next. Also, we have an update for you regarding a separate issue in the Depp Heard saga, and that's whether Amber Heard committed perjury. No, not in her Virginia trial, but in Australia. You see, back in 2015, when Heard visited Depp in Australia while he was filming Pirates of the Caribbean 5, she brought these two little dogs with her. And that was a big problem because the country has strict rules regarding biosecurity and how animals can be brought in. So Australian authorities demanded that the teacup Yorkies either be taken out of the country or euthanized. Now, it ended up where Depp actually sent the dogs back to the States. Heard was charged with illegally importing the dogs, but pled guilty to a lesser charge of falsifying travel documents. And in fact, the couple posted an apology video. Australia is free of many pests and diseases that are commonplace around the world. That is why Australia has to have such strong biosecurity law. And Australians are just as unique, both warm and direct. When you disrespect Australian law, they will tell you firmly. I am truly sorry that Pistol and Boo were not declared. But here's the issue. Heard is actually being investigated by Australian authorities for whether or not she lied during court proceedings on this matter. And now we can report that the FBI has jumped in to assist with the probe. Well, for more on this, let me bring in my sidebar co-host, Anjanette Levy, who's been following this story. She wrote a piece on it uh, on longcrime.com, and she's even going to do a special bonus sidebar episode on this. Anjanette, good to see you. Good to see you, Jesse. Thanks for having me. So let's just take a step back. What what exactly is she being investigated about lying about? What, what Let's start there. Well, apparently during the court proceedings, she had made some statements about how this all came to be. And she had said that she had jet lag and sleep deprivation. According to the published reports, there aren't any videotapes, unfortunately, available from this court proceeding. And then apparently she had cast some blame on Kate James, who you'll recall testified in the Depp Heard defamation trial in Virginia. And at the time, uh, Kate James was not working for Amber Heard anymore. But during the UK trial where Johnny Depp sued the son for libel, his former estate manager, Kevin Murphy, testified that Amber Heard, in his words, had pressured him to make false statements and actually wanted him to reach out to Kate James to get her in some way to take the fall. She submitted a declaration during the UK proceedings. She was deeply offended because she is a native Australian and would never, she said, violate those laws. So it all comes down to what she said during that court proceeding where she pleaded guilty to the lesser charge. And it's our understanding that the FBI is assisting with maybe reaching out to some of these witnesses because all of them live overseas. And that's according to a hearing that was held where this was addressed in Australia in the Senate last October. And speaking of the FBI, did we reach out to them? Did they have any comment about this whatsoever? What can you tell us? 
I reached out to the FBI. It was a holiday weekend, of course, um, and I made calls, several calls to the FBI media line trying to get through to them. It kept hanging up, so I wasn't able to leave a message. I sent an email to the public affairs office, but typically it's been my experience over the years and it's FBI policy that they don't comment on active investigations. And certainly in this investigation, they are assisting. And I should mention apparently that this has been going on for quite some time and possibly as long as a year. It's been a while that the FBI and the Department of Justice have been involved in this because the FBI falls under the auspices of the Department of Justice. So they were asked to assist some time ago. And so it would be great if we could get some official word from them. But I don't anticipate that. Typically, you just have to work through sources to get any confirmation. Yeah, it's typical that you won't hear from an investigative authority in the middle of an investigation like this. Now, you did write a great piece up on longcrime.com, and you actually had the chance to speak to Bobby Chacon who's somebody that we've had on the program yeah. before. We've had him on Sidebar before. Uh, he was an FBI uh, special agent. Did he give any insight into what this can mean for Amber Heard? Not really. He just said that the FBI has offices not only in Canberra, Australia, I hope I'm pronouncing that properly, but also um, in other parts of Australia, and they have offices around the world. And we have a strong relationship. We are allies with Australia. And so if their Australian federal police had asked us to assist with something, and we know that the Australian federal police are involved in this investigation, they would have gone to the FBI and asked for that assistance. And Bobby said, of course, it would have been granted. And he said, basically, assisting other countries in law enforcement matters is really a way for us to have one kind of foot in law enforcement and one in diplomacy. So these agencies work together around the world. And I should mention, too, during this hearing, when the officials with the you know agriculture department, they just changed their name, the agency that's actually investigating this through the AFP, they made it sound like they were working with bodies. They use that word plural, bodies. So I don't know if there's more than one investigative agency involved in this or not. Um, if you watch part of, and I'm, I was trying to remember, but I remember this distinctly, that during the cross-examination of Amber Heard on um, rebuttal or on uh, Amber Heard's case in chief, I just can't recall, but I recall this vividly because I thought, oh my gosh, she's going to ask about the dogs. Elaine Bredehoff objected. They went up to the bench and then Judge Azkarati must have said, no, 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 we're not going there. Because obviously, if you recall, Amber Heard had opened the door for her past arrest for which charges were later dropped for DV against her ex-partner. She had kind of opened the door with that whole Kate Moss thing to bringing that testimony in. And so I'm assuming they were trying to think, they were thinking, oh, well, we can go to the dogs now, but apparently not. It was a good try. It was yeah. definitely a good try for another thing for the <laughs> like jury to consider. Effort, did she, right? <laughs> yeah. Did she lie in another court proceeding? And Jeanette, so I know you're going to do a special sidebar episode on this, laying it all out. Thanks so much for coming on and just giving us a quick update on this. Yeah, no problem. I'm glad to. Over now to a moment that has gone absolutely viral over the holiday weekend. You would think that a hot dog eating contest would just be fun and games. Well, not so, because at the Nathan's Famous 4th of July hot dog eating contest in Coney Island, New York, Joey Jaws Chestnut won his 15th win, 63 dogs and buns in 10 minutes. But that was only after he got into a violent altercation with a protester. In videos that were recorded the event during the contest, a masked animal rights protester wearing a Darth Vader mask and holding a sign that says expose Smithfield's Death Star, referencing Smithfield Foods that supplies the meat for Nathan's, this protester jumps on the stage and then Chestnut, without missing a beat, 
can be seen throwing the guy in a chokehold and tossing him to the ground. And Chestnut just keeps on eating as if nothing happened and then wins the title. Now, according to TMZ, police took three people into custody and charges are pending. But what about Chestnut? Could he be sued for this? Could he face any charges? Joining me now is former head prosecutor, trial attorney, and Law and Crime Network host, Bob Bianchi. Bob, great to see you. Hey, great to be on the show, Jesse. Great to see you too. Now, I mean, I could talk about the hot dog eating contest as much as well as the next person, but I do want to get a little bit into the law here. So I, I see this, right? And first, let's talk about any criminal charges. Anything here against Chestnut that you see? I mean, was he defending the competition? Was he defending himself? Do you see any criminal liability for Joey Chestnut? No, Jesse, when I used to have to make these charging decisions as a prosecutor, I tried to use the rule of reason and not just work on technicalities. And I think citizens have gotten to the point right now where they feel like they can protest in any manner, way, shape, or form that makes them feel good without recognizing that this guy sees some, as far as he's concerned, I would imagine a maniac charging towards him with a mask on, and you don't have to even hit him literally he's in fear of his life he's getting into the the hot dog eating guy's face and the guy reacts and i used to look at those cases like well you know what you don't come in here with clean hands i have to prove a case beyond a reasonable doubt to 12 jurors that you committed a crime if i'm going to go in that route and i never like to go after the guy who initiated the encounter uh, especially if there was not serious bodily injury or excessive force and let's give the last point it's a personal one it's not necessarily Necessarily a prosecutorial one. Any guy that can continue to eat uh, 63 hot dogs while he's in the middle of throwing a chokehold, you got to have hashtag respect, Jesse. I mean, on social media, he's being <laughs> hailed a hero right now. I mean, it's pretty incredible. He doesn't break a stride and he wins the competition. But I mean, the use of the chokehold, I think that came out of left field. I don't think anybody was expecting such a swift move. It almost looked like he, he snapped the guy's neck. Now, luckily, that didn't happen. The use of that maneuver, as opposed to pushing the guy away or hitting him, does that affect anything? Well, I've had a big problem with the use of this term chokehold for a long time, Jesse. I, I think that it's being used very loosely um, in terms of, it, did it cut off his air supply? Did it cut off his blood supply? Uh, it seems as if from the video, it did none of those things. So we we'll use the term, the fact that somebody puts their arm around somebody's neck and call it a chokehold is not necessarily as straight out what a chokehold is. That said, putting your arm around somebody's neck is obviously much more serious and could cause more serious injury than if you punch somebody in the stomach. And that's why a lot of times the prosecutorial decision is driven by the level of the injury that's actually created. Here being none to me does not make a difference. You know, when you're defending yourself, um, you know, again, it gets to a point where people are getting in your face, you respond because somebody happens to be a better fighter and winds up standing up. A lot of times they're called the defendant and the person on the ground is called the victim, despite the fact that the victim is the one who provoked the whole event in the first place. I've never been a fan of that logic. And I think there's also something to be said, but the guy kind of nudged his way in there, right? I mean, if you want to talk about physical, it wasn't as if he just stood off to the side and was yelling loudly and then put into a chokehold. Much, much different situation. Uh, if, if somebody's yelling, screaming, protesting, then physical force is not appropriate but he's he's moving towards him and nudging through the crowd as you say now we don't know all the facts i mean from what i'm understand he moved very quickly towards that level where somebody would be nervous i mean you don't have to wait until somebody actually assaults or kills you before you respond now let's talk about 
other than criminal liability, civil liability, let's say the guy sues Joey Chestnut, says, hey, listen, I was exercising my First Amendment right to protest this. You had no right to put your hands on me. And, you know, I don't know what the guy's injuries are right now, if any. But what about a, a lawsuit? When you evaluate any civil lawsuit, of course, a different standard applies. It's usually by a preponderance of the evidence as opposed to proof beyond a reasonable doubt. So it's a little bit easier. But the bottom line is you have to find some level of intentional assault or negligence. And you get right to the most important point. When I used to practice civil law, one of the first things you say is, and I used to use this example, if you're walking across the street and you get hit by a car and you pick yourself up and dust yourself off, you go home, you have no injuries. That's not a good civil case. The liability for the person that hit you may be 100%, but you're only allowed to be compensated for that in order to make up for the injury that you sustain. However, if you're walking across the street and somebody goes to a stop sign, hits you and you break your leg or God forbid have more serious injuries, then your compensation is going to be higher. From a practical point of view, a lawyer takes a case on usually in a civil case for a percentage and a percentage is zero is zero. So a lawyer is very keenly aware of whether or not there's a significant damages in the case. That said, from a purest legal point of view, Jesse, if they just want to go forward with it, there's going to be an issue here as to whether or not he was negligent, that is the hot dog eating guy, uh, or whether or not he felt he was defending himself. I, I just don't see this kind of civil suit I would take on as a lawyer. The only way I could see a lawyer taking it on is if they want to get uh, some notoriety or some publicity. Well, if it makes into any courtroom, there's no shortage of video evidence and eyewitness evidence to what actually transpired between the two. Bobby, Bianchi, thank you so much for coming out to Sidebar. Appreciate it. Always great to see you, Jesse. Thanks for joining us here on Sidebar. Make sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jesse Weber. Speak to you next time.